Welcome to the Christian Education Podcast. My name is Paul Matthews, and today I've got the enormous privilege of speaking with Christine Hibmer. Christine is a principal at the Lee and Gatha campus of Cairo Christian School, and today we're here to talk about student well-being. Now, of course, schools have always been interested in student well-being, but that is especially true after COVID. Student well-being has been drawn into the front and centre of the discourse, hasn't it? Thankfully, Cairo have been able to put a lot of time and effort and energy into thinking about how we best promote and maintain student well-being. I hope you're encouraged by this policy. I hope you're inspired by it. Now, of course, our discussion today is based on Cairo's recent submission to the Christian Teachers Journal, where they've actually been able to showcase their policy. I encourage you to read that article if you have access to the journal, and I think this conversation will shed some great light on it. As always, know that Christine and I prayed for you before we began. We prayed that whatever role you have to play, that you in the Christian community, in the Christian school you're a part of, you would be able to promote student well-being, all for the glory of God and for the well-being of the student. And of course, if you enjoy this episode or get benefit from it, please do subscribe to the podcast. That helps me out a whole bunch. And make sure you flick this episode out to anyone who you think would benefit from it. Well, Christine Hibmer, welcome to the Christian Education Podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here, actually. Can you remember when we first met? I wonder if you've got that memory in the bank. Yeah, I think I think we've got the same memory, yep. <laughs> it was actually quite bizarre. So it was during iTech 2019. And at that time, I was a free agent, um, probably better known as just being not a teacher. I was unemployed at the time. Uh, so I was floating around. I was actually hanging out with uh, Simon, my dad, and he invited me to this dinner for the Cairo staff. And it ended up being you, me, and Dr. David Smith down the end of this table, just talking Christian education for the evening. That was unreal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's um, And that's why the memory is so clear. It was a great night, great discussion, very special um, opportunity to talk with David, yeah. I'm certainly hoping we can recreate that memory uh, in the coming iTech. Of course, it's on next year, isn't it? So we'll have to see if we can't try and get, <laughs> try and get the gang back together. Yeah. Oh, anybody who can get to iTech, definitely recommend. It's awesome. And I'm absolutely convinced of this thing, Christine. It's that David remembers our conversation as fondly as we remember it. I'm, <laughs> I'm convinced he's probably somewhere in North America reminiscing right now. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, you reckon? Okay. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to quiz him. <laughs> yeah, it probably all went by in a blur for the poor bloke. Being a conference speaker is is hard yakka. However, we are, we're here, Christine. We're here to talk about... Um, a very special contribution by Cairo Christian School to the Christian education ecosystem. You've got a wellbeing framework. Cairo Christian School has put together a wellbeing framework that's going to be appearing in this May's Christian Teachers Journal. So you guys have obviously spent a lot of time and energy creating this framework. What? Let me start by asking you, what caused Cairo to go down this path? Why did you decide that it was actually wise to update and reframe your wellbeing policy? Yeah, a couple of factors that probably went into that. Um, timing is always, you know, the big one. Um, we're looking at reviewing our wellbeing curriculum. Um, there's been a lot of talk about wellbeing, particularly coming out of COVID, um, we were sort of considering 
a couple of different elements of our school and how they work together and how we could maximise the impact they had. Um, so teaching, uh, welfare and learning support sort of together. Uh, and really when you look at all those things, you need to start um, with a common understanding of what we mean by wellbeing. Uh, what does that actually look like for us as Christians and within our Christian school setting? Uh, so the first piece of the puzzle really was to sit down and go, okay, well, let's define that. Um, let's create a framework that then feeds into and determines where our policies go. Yeah. That's really exciting that you've actually taken the bull by the horns here and sought to reframe your understanding of well-being in a way that incorporates all the functions of a school. You're, you're teaching your welfare, your support, all these sorts of things. And it's very clear as I read through this policy that it's come from a biblical basis. And that's so crucial, isn't it? Because the classic problem we have as educators, when we talk to other educators who are perhaps outside the sphere of Christian education, is the old problem of having the same vocabulary, but a really different dictionary, isn't it? So there's no, not a school on the face of the earth that's going to say, no, we're not about well-being. Right? Every school is about promoting well-being. However, we can mean radically different things. We can have very, very different visions. You know, As soon as you double-click on the word well-being, people are going to start pulling up all kinds of different things, which are, of course, being, um, being brought out of their particular worldview. So as we look at your well-being policy at Cairo, well, could you perhaps give us a brief overview of it, Christine? Yeah, so I think a couple of things you touched on there are are really fundamental, like uh, every school looks at wellbeing um, and lots of, you know, lots of schools are doing really great stuff and we should never discount what's being um, discussed or brought up in other sources other than Christian sources, um, but we certainly want to look through a different lens uh, and just consider that from a slightly different angle. So our student wellbeing model, um, we have student transformation at the centre that's the centre of our strategic plan. That's part of our, you know, overall focus for our vision and mission and, and whatever. So that's very central. That phrase is not only common in CE and schools, but very well understood in Cairo that that's our, our central task. So that sits in the middle of this model as well. Out from that, we've got five domains, um, which are, again, very common in wellbeing um, documents or frameworks in lots of places. So we look at social, physical, cognitive, spiritual and emotional uh, and then consider each of those through basically a creation, fall, redemption, renewal sort of framework, which again will be very familiar to, you know, see in schools and um, is a great way to approach it. So that's the... Yeah, the overriding sort of structure of the document. Um, then there are two sort of components that sit on the outside of that. What, what are our foundations? What do we start with? And who's responsible? So, yeah, who's going to be involved in implementing this model? And so both of those are considered sort of as an outside or a framework for the model itself. 
One of the things you've done that I really like in your wellbeing policy, Christine, is you've actually said that students play a key role in the development of their own wellbeing. And I love that because I've been to a few PDs or even just in discussions around the water cooler. Sometimes it can be made to seem as if students are a passive bystander and it's up to us to get all the ducks in a row. But you've actually given a noble task to the student of being involved in the process. And that's part of a conversation, I think, around student voice that is ongoing in the educational um, sector at the moment. But I really love the fact in your wellbeing policy, you've got students as responsible agents in the cultivation of their own well-being. Just briefly, who else do you often find is responsible? So in you've got a list of people who are responsible for these sorts of things. We've got students in the mix. Who else in this policy is seen as responsible for the development of student well-being? Yeah, first and foremost, I guess, um, like most see in schools or a Christian school background, we'll have parents um, front and centre. Um, you know, the the core belief that children are given to families and are parents' primary responsibility. Um, part of our mission statement is that we partner with families, and that's, again, another common phrase. Um, but really, it sits back with families and parents, uh, and they need to be involved in the conversation. They need to be involved in um yeah, implementing these things at home. It's things that happen at home that, impl- um, that yeah, really impact a student's wellbeing just as much as or if not more than what happens at school. So families, the students themselves, obviously our staff, but that's not just the wellbeing or welfare staff and it's not just the learning support staff, but it's all our staff. Uh, people in admin contribute to student wellbeing but home group teachers, um, but every teacher, every staff member will contribute. Um, Outside that, you know, if we're considering students whose wellbeing isn't great, then we might be calling in professionals to add support. Um, And obviously there's leadership who structure things in certain ways to promote good wellbeing and give direction to the school. So it's, you know, a multifaceted, all in, everybody's responsible. And we're in it together. Do you have something to add to the great conversation about Christian education? You feel like you've got something to say, but you can't quite figure out how you want to do it. Well, let me plant this little seed right here. Why not be a guest host on the Christian Education Podcast? If you've got a microphone and you've got something to say about Christian education, I'd love to hear from you. You know, Christian education is central to God's plan to grow His kingdom from the smallest seed into the biggest tree. And if you want to sow into that movement through the medium of podcasts, I'd love to talk to you. Just email me at the address in the show notes. You can also reach me on Twitter or LinkedIn or MySpace. Well, maybe not MySpace, but Twitter and LinkedIn should get you where you need to go. Let's get back to the discussion. And it's one of those great instances of showing how a community like a school needs to all be on about the same thing, don't they? Because if well-being was in the domain of the school counsellor, then yes, you would happily say, well, why would a groundsman or a receptionist or a history teacher need to be a Christian? But you've adequately diagnosed the fact here, Christine, that student well-being, which is core business for schools, you know, it's all about transforming the student from um, where they are now to where we would have them be at the end of their educational journey with us. Well, everyone in the school 
is about that. Everyone is involved in student well-being and student transformation. So I'm, I'm really glad as I was reading through your policy, that was one of the big questions I had going in. And I think you have provided some fantastic answers right there. Now, as we think about the policy like this, it's, it's very broad. When we're talking about student well-being and student transformation, these are huge, huge concepts. Can you just give us a bit of a blow-by-blow analysis of how you went about developing this? So it, it's, as I said, it's such a huge policy. How does one go about creating a student well-being policy? Uh, yeah, I think it was a really collaborative effort Um, But obviously it has some key drivers and um, as executive principal, Simon does a lot of that sort of strategic thinking and then um, might start something like this rolling. Um, But then it really went out to um, key stakeholders across the school, um, leadership and different departments within the school. But it went all the way out to um, teaching staff for sort of feedback and and whatever to refine it. But I guess it started with a look at, you know, uh, good research, good practice in other places, what do those models look like, um, shape the sort of skeleton of that and then flesh it out with who we are and our understanding of Christian education. Um, But certainly, you know, the welfare team, the learning support team, Um, leadership, middle leadership refined and actually workshopped the wording and even even the colours on the diagram to sort of get the idea of what we were trying to convey. Um, Yeah, for those who look at it, you know, we've got these different realms, but each of the colours are blurred into each other that, um, you know, each area will impact another uh, and, you know, there's not clear defining lines between these things. So all of that stuff was discussed um, as a whole school. Uh, Lots of people had input and then it came back to be refined by the executive leadership in its final iteration. But, yeah, big, big task took, you know, multiple attempts to sort of look at it, refine it, question the wording um, and come up with something that's clear and represents who we are. So for those who are listening along, in fact, that will be everyone who is listening, um, you can't see the diagram. I'm looking at it right now. And if you get a copy of the Christian Teachers Journal, you'll see a copy in there as well. But it's effectively like a hub and wheel. So the hub is student transformation. And then there are these five domains which are on the perimeter of the wheel. And as Christine said earlier, that's your cognitive, spiritual, emotional, social, physical, these sorts of things. So before we move on from how big of a task it was, just let's talk Turkey for a moment. How long, how long were you guys going in the creation of this process? From go to woe, from the very beginning to the very end, how long did this take you? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, It would have been between sort of six to 12 months sort of working and refining it um, at multiple steps. Yeah, It it was a longer term. Um, project, but at the same time, it was kept moving at a steady pace. So yeah, about a year's work all up. Yep. 
And I can see why it would take so long. As soon as you start breaking down the fact that, I mean, the article that's accompanying this policy within the Christian Teachers Journal also makes reference to the various philosophical and research-based foundations of the article. So this is actually, it's backed by sound biblical theology. It's also backed with the very best research we have around student well-being. So you're drawing from a very large pool here. Now, I get... I get that it's a really exciting thing that the wellbeing policy is out. Just quickly, how long have you actually launched the policy yet? Has it been enacted at Cairo, Christine? Uh, yeah, so Cairo is a four-campus school across five sites. We're quite large, so it takes a little bit to sort of filter it down um, all the way through to each teacher in each classroom. Um, but it was launched at a what we call leading together meeting, which is all our middle leaders um, who then take it back to the campuses and sort of work it through. So teachers have seen it. Um, It's a policy that sort of sits and shapes, or sorry, I should call it a model more than a policy because then it shapes the policy. So it's been referenced and used to shape policy since that time Uh, and helped us in reflecting on how different uh, roles might work together. Um, So it's one of those documents that sort of sits on top and shapes and frames how we do things. So, yeah, it's certainly being referenced quite a bit. Um, Would every teacher in every classroom sort of know exactly what's in it? Maybe not. Um, But it's certainly shaping what we do, yeah. Look, I'm really pleased to hear that because I haven't been involved in the construction of a big document or policy or framework like this at a school. I've been a part of it in a few ministry organisations before. And one of the one of the interesting facets of creating, whether it's the vision, mission and values or a big policy like student wellbeing, is that there is actually, if you're in that leadership space, it really does feel like you've done something pretty good when you create your document. You know, there's a little dopamine hit. There's a rush of adrenaline. We've done something big here. Um, Although the detail is in actually how to land it in your organization. How do we actually give this thing teeth? How do we give it legs? How do we embody it to head out into our organization and really do the job it was meant to do? So this question here, you've partially answered it already, Christine, but I was wondering if you've got this brand spanking new student wellbeing policy. I was wondering if you could give us some examples of how teachers and students are actually sort of engaging with this policy or being shaped by this policy on a daily basis. So what's become um, increasingly clear is the need to integrate the different areas of the school. Uh, Often our learning support students might experience things like anxiety or uh, low social skills, um, and we want to really uh, support them in those things but that's not just a learning support effort that's also um, the work of some of our welfare team and that's the work of our teachers and that's a real integrated uh, approach because one area will impact another and so at Langatha we we regularly sit together we have a a welfare coordinator, so to speak, or a wellbeing coordinator um, as part of our leadership team, along with our chaplain and either myself or one of the other teachers, and we'll sit round table and, and have a good chat about which elements um, we can each be working on and how we integrate. And 
if a student, for example, is experiencing high anxiety and they need a car, pass from the classroom just to go visit our chooks to take a break Um, they're really they're conversations that happen round table so we're all on the same page we're all looking to to deal with the child as a whole uh, and not be you know attempting to do different things or just focus on single areas but it really pulls it all together Um, and this model encourages more of that Obviously, we've got to watch things like privacy, but where it's appropriate and as much as possible, gaining a whole picture for the student so we can support them well. And yeah, the wellbeing model really supports that thinking. The Christian Education Podcast is brought to you by Teaching in Tassie. At Christian Education National Schools in Tassie, you can make a difference. You have the freedom to express your faith and values of course, with Jesus right at the centre. Tasmania's beautiful environment has space to breathe. We have amazing food and wine, wilderness to explore. There's an adventure right on your doorstep. There are endless opportunities. I've got to tell you, it's almost perfect. To sign up or learn more, visit teachingintassie.com.au and you'll be the first to know when there's a career available. Who knows? It may just have your name on it. Let's get back to the discussion. Again, I'm just so impressed at how integrated everything is in the policy and how it sounds like you're able to integrate it well within your school as well. Because one of the downfalls of having very clearly defined roles in a school, if they don't have any overlap, things can get siloed very, very quickly. And of course, then liaising with other other parts of the school, so maybe your learning support, talking to your counsellor, that's just extra work. Now, of course, no one's saying it's um, work that shouldn't be done. Of course, it should be done. But if it, if it's actually, if you've got a job description and it's a full-time job, just doing that job description, things that come out uh, uh, sort of over and above that, well, they can often find themselves just pushed to the back of the queue when it comes to your list of priorities. So actually being able to present a framework for student well-being that brings in the various stakeholders, well, that helps everyone make sure they're operating from the same information which is so good. As you said, how often is it that someone would be, say, in learning support, but then also have associated needs in a social capacity? Um, So it makes sense that we would get those two areas of the school talking to one another and contributing to the student's total well-being. Uh, And I'm really excited to hear that that's actually happening on the ground. It's not just a laminated policy somewhere. It's being lived out. And that's something that I hope many other schools out there are going to try and emulate. So as we bring this to a close then, Christine, what advice would you give to other Christian educators who are interested in developing the same kind of thing you have, a well-being model or framework for their own school communities? Uh, yeah, certainly go and uh, have a look at what's already out there. Um, and certainly, you know, this is being shared in the CTJ and, um, and I'm sure the school wouldn't mind if you reached out and asked some more questions or or whatever. Um, But certainly there's good work being done in the education department and uh, different research. Um, But to really pull it back and consider what it means within your own context and your vision and mission, Um, because the more that you can align the things, 
the less burdensome those policies and things become because they just become integrated into, yeah, yeah, this is who we are. This is why we do it the way we do. So it doesn't feel like an added extra. Um, but certainly the benefit for students when you're considering the whole student uh, and you've got teams working together. In some ways it can be considered extra work, but on the other hand, it can be really saving a lot of work because you get a clearer picture, you're reinforcing the same things. Um, there's lots of benefits just of, you know, being a team together who are sharing the load. Um, yeah, for some students, when wellbeing's not great, it can actually be quite a drain on staff themselves, their emotional wellbeing too, and their and their load. And to be able to share that, even from a perspective, you know, personal perspective, is really important to be able to work as a team. So starting with good research, starting with who you are as a school, obviously thinking about that, you know, biblically is it's worth the effort. It strengthens. Um, yeah, your purpose and your understanding and your commitment to why we're doing it. So it's worth the hard yards of going through that process. But certainly don't feel you have to reinvent the wheel. There's lots out there. And given that this policy is quite literally a wheel, as I look at it on the page here, please don't reinvent this either. <laughs> it seems like it's it's got some great information on it. I think one of the strengths of this policy uh, and this framework, Christine, is the sort of elaborations. So you've got the five domains, and these five domains are fairly common. That's not groundbreaking stuff by Cairo here. The, the real goal, the real meat for us is in the elaborations. For example, the spiritual component. Now, even in secular schools, like you look at the Melbourne Declaration, right? That was made back in 2008. And that document says that schools are vitally important in the spiritual formation of a student. You go, okay, so they're on about spiritual development. And here in the Cairo model, we've got spiritual development too. But I think as we talked about earlier in the discussion, if you double-clicked on what is meant in the Melbourne Declaration by spiritual development and what is meant at Cairo, it would be radically different. So at Cairo, you've said, we believe spiritual well-being is founded on a relationship with God and made possible through Jesus Christ. That's your opening line. That's a spectacular opening line. And I'm not sure what they would give if we sort of double-clicked on the Melbourne Declaration's idea of spiritual development, but I know it wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be that it is founded, that essential to spiritual well-being is a relationship with God made possible through Christ. So that's that same old, you know, same vocabulary, very different dictionary. So I encourage people, as they're looking at this well-being framework, make sure you actually are double-clicking, uh, looking at the explanations for the specific domains. I think that's where a lot of the gold is going to come. Tell me, Christine... One of the things I think we lack as Christian schools is good pastors and theologians feeding into our processes. You can become a leader in a school by being a really excellent teacher, and that's great. But then all of a sudden, you're put in situations where you're dealing with these big, heavy-duty theological concepts. And you know, I was talking to my own pastor the other day, and I said, mate, um, I, I love him very dearly. He's the pastor of a you know a church that's 250 people, and he trained for six years. He did six years of theology. At, at schools, you can be the leader of a spiritual community of a thousand people, you know, once you're counting parents as well, 
and you don't have the same theologically sort of rigorous training. Did you at Cairo, do you have people whose job it is specifically to think through the theology that underlines these sorts of uh, domains, uh, spiritual, cognitive and so forth? Uh, at present, we don't. In the past, we've had somebody um, sort of in those roles, but we've still got people who are connected to the school who speak in um, and who might be asked to have a look over some of these things. Um, one of the things that you spoke about training and being able to grapple with, you know, biblical concepts in a leadership role. Uh, one of the great things that Cairo does, and I'm sure, you know, NEC and school would encourage is, you know, further study in those areas. And, and here's a nice little plug for, um, for NICE, the National Institute. Um, you know, going through some of that training is just wonderful. And the assignments, you know, really get you to think about things like policies and how do you frame them in a biblical framework and whatever. So... Um, it's great to have other people that input. Uh, Kyra certainly makes use of that, but it's also really good to do some of the training yourself to equip yourself as a leader to be able to, to think like that and certainly surround yourself with people who are like-minded and, and can question it and pick it apart. Um, yeah, and being a large organisation, we get the benefit of that, but we've also got some really strong people in that area, so that's a real blessing um, that I feel very privileged to be part of, Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're able to make use of your big community up there at Cairo and also glad you're able to make use of organisations like the National Institute for Christian Education and the further education opportunities that they provide. Look, as I close out, Christine, I just want to ask you a little sneaky bonus question here. One of the things I'm thinking about this year is burnout, okay? Burnout amongst educators. Uh, now, you're you're the principal of a school and as the closer I get to principals, the more I see how much of a brutal job it is. I say brutal. It's just really, it, it's difficult and it requires a lot of bandwidth. So maybe brutal is the wrong word. However, it's, it's just tough. It's a hard, it's hard yakka. Is there anything you do? I mean, we're talking on a Saturday now. Is there anything you do on the weekends to fill the tank up ready for the next week? That's, that's the last bonus question I'm, I'm giving you here. <laughs> Great question. Um... Yeah, look, sometimes my weekends involve schoolwork. That's just the nature of it, and it depends what's going on. Um, some great advice was given was to find some rhythms uh, and things that, you know, particularly do fill your tank. So at first I sort of thought, oh, yeah, you know, you need a weekend, you need a rest, that's fine. But being actually really conscious about what it is you do with that time uh, so more and more I've, you know, driven the extra 20 minutes down to the beach. We're 20 minutes from the beach. Um, just the sound of waves and, you know, the wind as you walk along the beach, that's just something that fills my tank. I need sun, sand and water. Um, the other great one is we own a, a farm and actually sitting on a quad bike behind some cows is very therapeutic. Uh, it's yep. something completely different from what I'm doing during the week. And I think it's finding those things, whatever that is, um, not just saying I need to rest and then sitting there and just letting the brain spin, but actually finding something that's different, that sort of takes your mind off things, you know, very deliberately. Um, 
yeah, um, that's important. Yeah. So I'll, well, that's a fantastic answer. I love that. I uh, I might I might have to get myself a few cattle and a quad bike. <laughs> it's it's good. It's worth doing. Well, Christine, it's been a absolute delight talking with you today. Thank you for walking us through this student wellbeing framework that you've uh, developed and so generously shown to other schools through the Christian Teachers Journal. We are really pleased to hear that it's landed and landed well at Cairo and I'm really excited for how this might actually impact and inspire other schools. So thank you so much for your time today and I wish you all the best in the rest of the year. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thanks for doing the podcast because it's great for staff to have something other than a journal to read and they can listen to it and just get a bit more in depth and um, it's a really great resource. So thanks for putting your time in.